I want you to hit me as hard as you can. In the history of Hollywood, not many films have overcome a disastrous production quite like Francis Ford Coppola's Vietnam War epic, Apocalypse Now. The unthinkable stories behind the notoriously tumultuous production are almost stranger than fiction. It's no exaggeration to say it was a miracle that the movie was even completed. It would be easier to list what did not go wrong making the film than what did. Get on the boat and journey into the production jungle as we look at what the fuck happened to this movie. While collaborating with Francis Ford Coppola on the 1967 film The Rain People, John Milius was approached by his pals George Lucas and Steven Spielberg to pen a Vietnam War script. Milius pitched the idea of doing a Vietnam variation of Joseph Conrad's novel Heart of Darkness, long considered unfilmable. Coppola liked the idea enough that he gave Milius $15,000 to write the screenplay and promised an additional ten grand if the film was approved for production. Milius accepted and went off to write a script which he claims was completed in 1969. The original title was Apocalypse 3, but was changed by Milius to poke fun at the popular counterculture idiom Nirvana Now, seen on buttons and tattoos at the time. Coppola implored Milius to write every scene he ever wanted to see go into that movie, resulting in ten drafts and over a thousand pages of story material. Milius reportedly drew inspiration from Stanley Kubrick's Dr. Strangelove and Michael Herr's article The Battle for K-San chronicling the psychological effects of soldiers mixing drugs and rock and roll with their daily protocols. While writing, Milius listened to music by The Doors and Richard Wagner. It was his idea to use Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries for the iconic helicopter scene in the film. Warner Brothers and production company Seven Arts jointly optioned Milius' script in 1969, but the project went into turnaround almost immediately. Production languished, with Milius pushing for his pal George Lucas to direct the film. Lucas spent four years of his life closely developing the project with Milius, with every intention to direct it himself. Lucas wanted to treat the script as a black comedy, and planned to shoot in 1971 following his feature debut with the sci-fi film THX 1138. His vision was to make Apocalypse Now in Vietnam with real soldiers while the war was still in process, doing so with a modest $2 million budget using 16mm handheld documentary-style camera work. When Warner Brothers flinched at such unsafe conditions, Lucas instead went off to make American Graffiti in a little movie called Star Wars. You've taken your first step into a larger world. In 1974, Coppola acquired the rights to Milius' script, describing the project as a comedy and terrifying psychological horror story. Like Lucas, John Milius also declined an invitation to direct due to obligations on other projects. When Coppola decided to direct the film himself, he made several revisions to Milius' script, his vision was to guide viewers through an unprecedented experience of war and have them react as much as those who had gone through the war. He wanted to emphasize the distinction between good and evil and critique the demoralizing routines of modern warfare. In 1975, he began scouting military locations in Georgia and Florida with the hope that the U.S. Army would accommodate his needs. When the Army refused to cooperate due to the seek-and-destroy mission of the story, Coppola scouted locations in Australia before finally settling on the Philippines. Coppola's producing partner, Fred Ruse, had experience filming in the country, where Coppola figured he could gain access to U.S. military equipment and cost-effective local crew members. By the end of the year, United Artists gave Coppola a budget of roughly $15 million to make the film in the Philippines, with the understanding that it would star Steve McQueen, Gene Hackman, and Marlon Brando. One of the first major issues came in the casting process. 
While Coppola originally wanted screen legend Steve McQueen to play Captain Benjamin Willard, the star refused to spend six weeks in the Philippine jungle. The filmmaker was also unwilling to pay McQueen's $3 million price tag. Coppola then offered the role to his Godfather star Al Pacino, but he also declined due to the remote location shoot. Pacino had fallen ill while shooting scenes in the Dominican Republic for The Godfather Part II, and he was leery of possibly repeating such a horrible experience. The role of Captain Willard was then offered to Martin Sheen, based on his solid audition for The Godfather, but Sheen had a scheduling conflict. After that, Coppola approached actors like Jack Nicholson, James Caan, Robert Redford, Nick Nolte, Tommy Lee Jones, and Burt Reynolds. Frederick Forrest also auditioned for the part, and would later join Willard on the boat, along with a 14-year-old Lawrence Fishburne, who lied about his age to join the production. In 2015, Clint Eastwood confessed that Coppola had offered him the role of Willard, but he also passed due to the dark material and having to be away from the United States for such a prolonged period. Eastwood also admitted that Steve McQueen had encouraged him to play Willard, so that McQueen could assume the role of Colonel Kurtz instead, since playing Kurtz only required two weeks on location. Ultimately, Harvey Keitel was cast as Captain Willard, in early 1976, Coppola approached the great Marlon Brando to play the role of Colonel Kurtz, after Orson Welles and Lee Marvin both passed. Following a lengthy negotiation, Brando agreed to play the role, with several stipulations. He would work for one month on location for $2 million, including $1 million in advance, as well as receiving 10% of the movie's box office gross and 10% of the television sales rights. In the end, Brando's demands earned him an extra $9 million, Gene Hackman was originally slated to play Lieutenant Colonel Bill Kilgore, originally named Colonel Carnage, but he was replaced with Robert Duvall. James Caan was the first choice to play the role of a military officer who briefs Willard, but his asking fee was deemed too steep for such a minor role. Pre-Han Solo, Harrison Ford was subsequently cast in the role, and he was allowed to name the character, which he selected to honor his American graffiti director, George Lucas. Dennis Hopper was cast as the hippie photographer, which would create a contentious environment between him and Marlon Brando while filming. Coppola traveled to Manila in the Philippines to begin principal photography in March 1976. The schedule had now expanded from six weeks to an expected four months, with the film planned for release on Coppola's 38th birthday on April 7, 1977. On March 20, 1976, principal photography officially commenced, with Coppola immediately dissatisfied with Harvey Keitel's performance as Willard. Coppola found that Keitel had trouble maintaining a blank facade that could guide the audience through the story as a passive observer. Coppola flew back to LA and offered the part to Martin Sheen, who was then available. Sheen accepted, reaching the Philippines a month later. Reshooting the scenes with Sheen as Willard was expected to take just four days, but like everything else on the production, that didn't happen as planned. In May 1976, Typhoon Olga ravaged a significant portion of the sets built for the film, prompting the entire production to shut down temporarily. Several crew members were marooned in hotels and rented houses until the storm blew over, while others were sent back to America for roughly two months. The Playboy Playmate stage was annihilated by the typhoon, which delayed filming for a month and required building a whole new set piece. The vast number of helicopters used in the film was granted by Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos. However, they were far inferior to their U.S. counterparts and often broke down, or had to be retrieved by the Filipino government in the middle of production to fend off rebel warlords besieging the country, causing more delays for Coppola and the crew. And the choppers were so deafening that much of the dialogue recorded on location was inaudible and had to be redubbed in post-production. 
During this period, more problems arose when the production payroll was pilfered one night by unknown assailants, despite the heavy presence of bodyguards on location. By that point, the film was six weeks behind schedule and $2 million over budget. Following the devastating storm, Coppola turned in a half-million-dollar typhoon insurance policy and was granted a loan by United Artists, with the caveat that if the film did not gross more than $40 million at the box office, Coppola would assume the remaining costs on his own. As production continued, Coppola sank around $7 million of his own money into the budget, causing him to refinance the mortgage on his home and winery in Napa Valley. Through all the stress, strain, and overwhelming anxiety, Coppola expressed suicidal tendencies and lost 100 pounds during the process of making the film. In July 1976, Marlon Brando arrived on set, drunk and 90 pounds overweight. He also had not read the novel or script, nor had he memorized his lines. When he eventually did read Coppola's script, he rejected it and incessantly lobbied for changes, butting heads with the filmmaker every step of the way. Colonel Kurtz was always meant to be a gaunt soldier at 6 foot 5 in height, prompting severe panic in Coppola and forcing him to shoot the 5 foot 7 overweight Brando in inventive ways. A compromise was made to shave his head, drape him in black attire, and mostly film the actor in shadow as a way to compensate for his appearance. Brando also insisted on several other script changes, including Kurtz's name. He felt an American colonel should have a more English-sounding name, like Lely. But after Brando read Heart of Darkness, he demanded his name be reverted to Kurtz, prompting line dubbing and post-production to refer to the character as originally planned. Brando also refused to share the set with Dennis Hopper, who continuously antagonized the legendary actor during filming. Brando's erratic behavior also included an improvised and largely incoherent 18-minute monologue, which was reduced to around two minutes in the final film. Brando angered Coppola so intensely that the director refused to even look at the actor's performance and handed the responsibility to assistant director Jerry Zeismer during Kurtz's scenes. Among others, Kurtz's line, You're an errand boy, sent by grocery clerks. was ad-libbed on the spot by Brando. Of the entire protracted shoot, Brando spent six weeks on location, hiking his initial asking fee up to $3.5 million. When later asked about such an exorbitant amount for 15 minutes of screen time, Brando's A Streetcar Named Desire playwright Tennessee Williams mused that he must have been paid by the pound. Another on-set mishap occurred with actor Sam Bottoms, who plays surfing gunner's mate Lance Johnson. Bottoms became infected by a parasitic hookworm that caused severe liver damage. He was also said to be high on LSD, speed, and marijuana while filming. But then again, who wasn't? At one point during filming, real-life corpses were delivered to the set by a man who turned out to be an illegal grave robber. The entire crew was grilled by the local authorities until they were cleared, and the bodies were removed from the set. Around Christmas time in 1976, Coppola returned to the U.S. to assemble a rough cut of the footage he had shot. Since there were no playback monitors on location, the film was shot blind with no way of checking dailies. After he put together a cut, Coppola decided he needed a better ending for the film. In early 1977, he returned to the Philippines to finish shooting. On March 5th, while on location, Martin Sheen suffered a heart attack at age 36 and stumbled a quarter mile to find help. So far behind schedule and over budget, Coppola was hesitant to replace Sheen with another actor given all of the footage he had shot. So instead, Coppola lied to investors about Sheen's health, declaring he suffered heat stroke rather than a heart attack. 
Before Sheen returned to the set a month later, certain body doubles were used to film the character from behind or at a distance. Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez, was brought in as a replacement. Coppola has since proclaimed that he can't tell the difference between the two on screen. Earlier in the production, Sheen had also injured his hand while punching a mirror in the hotel room scene, during which he was genuinely drunk and deeply disturbed by the dark material and overwhelming shooting experience. Apocalypse Now officially wrapped principal photography on May 21st, 1977, 14 months after it started. All told, Coppola spent 238 days shooting 230 hours of footage, over one and a quarter million feet of printed film. Around 10% of that was just for the famous opening napalm scene, which required 1,200 gallons of fuel to torch a real-life Philippine forest. Since the Filipino government was mired in its own civil war at the time of filming, they obviously did not put a priority on environmental protection. By then, the bloated budget saw Coppola's studio loan grow past $10 million. To compensate, he offered to give up his vehicles, home, and profits from The Godfather as collateral. When Star Wars was becoming a massive blockbuster, he solicited funding from George Lucas. Due to the rising costs and his suicidal threats, United Artists actually took out a $25 million life insurance policy on Coppola. With the release date now set for spring of 1978, Coppola began the lengthy editing process. It ultimately took over two years to complete. The previously mentioned helicopter sequence alone took almost a full year to edit. By the summer of 1977, Coppola gave editor and soundman Walter Murch four months to create a soundscape for the film. The raw material retrieved from the Philippines was insufficient, meaning Murch had to manufacture the jungle noises and atmospheric audio work. Apocalypse Now became the first film to use the Dolby Stereo 70mm six-track technology. While assembling the film, Coppola and Murch realized they needed to reinsert Willard's voiceover narration, a framing device that Coppola had ditched at one point during production. In January 1978, Vietnam War correspondent and author of the acclaimed book Dispatches, Michael Herr, was recruited to write as many as ten different narrations, claiming the pre-existing one was totally useless. When Martin Sheen proved unavailable, his brother Joe Estevez was once again brought in to recite his lines, going uncredited for the work. As of May 1978, the overall cost had ballooned to $18 million over budget, leaving Coppola personally liable for the outstanding costs. However, Coppola forever owned the rights to the film and hoped it would be a big enough box office success to get him out of such a deep hole. With the editing process still underway, the film was pushed back to a mid-1979 release. According to Walter Murch's book In the Blink of an Eye, the original work print of the film came in at five hours long, which he whittled down to around three hours for the premiere at Cannes Film Festival. After the festival, Murch further chopped the runtime to a more digestible 147 minutes, a length that Coppola felt would earn more money at the box office. Only in retrospect did Coppola feel he removed too much footage, and later reassembled a 196-minute version, which we all know as Apocalypse Now Redux. After winning the Palme d'Or for Best Film at Cannes, an honor shared with the Tin Drum, Apocalypse Now was released in three Los Angeles theaters on August 15, 1979. The locations were outfitted with the Dolby 70mm stereo surround sound, which prompted a then-unprecedented ticket price increase to $5. The film finally expanded to 300 theaters in October 1979. For all the pain and heartache the production caused, the film went on to gross $78 million domestically and $150 million worldwide, on its way to becoming hailed as one of the greatest movies ever constructed. Coppola's risky financial investment had paid off. 
Apocalypse Now was nominated for numerous awards and won Oscars for sound and cinematography. The haunting story was applauded by critics, and it has been listed on countless greatest movies ever made compilations, and is widely considered one of the best war movies ever filmed. Of course, with such a legendarily troubled production, it feels like we've only scratched the surface of the saga. And besides the original theatrical release, there's also the 289-minute bootlegged work print, Apocalypse Now Redux, and Apocalypse Now Final Cut, not to mention the documentary Hearts of Darkness, A Filmmaker's Apocalypse. But in the interest of time, let's just revel in the head-spinning, jaw-dropping, and awe-inspiring tale of what the fuck happened to Apocalypse Now. Somehow, Coppola and his cast and crew miraculously overcame impossible odds and a nightmare filming experience to deliver a cinematic masterpiece. Thank you for watching. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel, tell your friends who like this sort of content, and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We are an independent company and we appreciate your support.